see if we should um, continue with my exit song or not. I kind of cut it off and I got a few people saying, oh, why didn't you do that? We want to hear it at the end. And I'm like, okay, whatever. No, I'll bend to pressure if you want to drop me a line, leejacksonwatches at gmail.com and tell me, do you want me to leave the end music on or off? It's fine. I don't know. It's just a pain. But anything for art. Anything for her, anything for horology, anything for watches. Okay, so we were talking about Patek Philippe. And Patek Philippe is an amazing company. They do everything by hand. I'm looking at pictures of their, the detail that they put into some of their cases and watches, and it is stunning. That's the only word I can use. It is like you're back in the 1800s, 1700s where things were all done by hand. Can you imagine they try to duplicate, replicate all this stuff by machines? Can't. Not this level of detail. You should look at these pictures. Go to patekfleet.com, and then you want to go to the company and then read all about the things they do, like polishing. Think about this. How hard is it to polish a watch? When you make them? I'm not talking about us. Here's what they say. The humble art of polishing is one of the most important finishing techniques. It accentuates the case shape, highlighting each distinct part and visually bringing together gem setting, gauche work and engraving into a shining unified whole. Polishing at Paddock is done by hand and it always has been. It's called free floating or float polishing. This ultra fine technique is done without pressure and is particularly difficult produces a super smooth damage free surface. The polisher uses a series of different size discs for fabric belt or hair, depending on the desired effect, each coated in a gently abrasive paste. Polishing is careful, time-intensive work. A gold case, for example, would take an average of an hour and a half to polish, a bracelet up to two hours, and a fine platinum case, four hours. When I polish, it takes about 10 minutes, maybe 20 and half an hour at the most. Regardless of the intensity of the deburring and polishing operations, the form and aspect of all parts, movement, and exterior elements must be preserved in compliance with the Patek Philippe seal. They do mirror polish, which imparts an unusual dual effect of steely reflectiveness or deep matte black, depending on plate light, smooth satin brushing, a grinding head fitted only on a tiny motor and coated in fine emery paste produces a slightly frosted effect. Circular satin brushing produces a velvety tunnel-like illusion achieved using a hand laid or emery paper. Lapping or emerizing, and lapping involves a cast iron hand lapping plate, spread or charged with a slurry of standing abrasive and oil or water base. The piece is rubbed against the plate in a figure of eight pattern, giving a softened finish. Emerizing is achieved with a dry abrasive strip such as sandpaper. And there's felt polishing, a thick-edged wheel of dense felt <coughs> Coated with a slurry of polishing compound can be used for everything from metals to glass and precious stones to refine the polish of satinated surfaces of metal parts. 
Once polishing is complete, just touching the watch with bare hands can damage the polisher's work, causing minute scuffs invisible to anyone but a specialist using the loop. For this reason, cotton gloves or protective rubber thimbles are worn in the manufacturing workshops. When the case and bracelet leave the polisher for quality control, they're also coated with a blue varnish, a protective varnish called blue, that safeguards the watch during its onward journey until the blue is removed for the watch to go on delivery. Imagine all this for just one watch. That's why when you wear a watch, especially a Patek, a Vacheron, an Audemars, all the finest watches, you feel like you have a piece of jewelry on your wrist, not just a watch. And that's why I take my watches quite serious. I'm very careful with them. When you are a collector and you have fine timepieces, you need to be cognizant they're on your wrist and not do any work. Take them off. Be careful because if you make deep scratches, you cannot get them out. And if you do, there's a dip there when you're gone. It doesn't look good. So you want to be really careful. Now, you know, I wear my GP. I have not taken it off since I got it. Seriously. The only time I took it off was to do work. And I look at it all the time to see if there's any scratches or dings or dents. Because I'm going to continue to take them out and make the watch always look like brand new. And it does. It looks really good. But enough with me. Let's talk about bracelets. Imagine Patek makes their bracelets by hand. There's chain bracelets and the mechanically made bracelet. With the traditional chain bracelet, each link used to be an individually handmade, positioned, aligned, assembled, and soldered, which meant that a completing a bracelet was a complicated process. These days, the links of modern mechanical bracelets are produced by machine. However, assembly and finishing is always by hand, and it remains an intensive and satisfying job. So let's take the Nautilus. Nautilus is one of the most popular Paddocks ever made. Came out in 1976 as a timepiece of muscular design and dauntless charismatic personality. It's not just unique, it's also perfect for the purpose of illustrating case and bristle hand finishing and particular polishing techniques. The polishing alone includes machine sandblasting, lapping, emmerizing, felt polishing, satin brushing, polishing, and buffing. After machining, it takes about 55 different hand finishing operations to complete the Nautilus case and bracelet. It begins with preparing the exterior links one by one, emmerizing on the underside and satin brushing on the top, then preparing the center links one by one, emmerizing on the underside mirror polishing on top. So like with a Patek or a Rolex, the links, if they're across, you have three or five across, whatever the number is, they're going to be different, different polished each one so that it looks different. Like the end pieces on either side are going to be uh, satin and the center is shiny, things like that. That's what they're talking about. Um, camfering means cutting away sharp edges is performed on the underside and the top of the bracelet. That's another thing. When you get a fine bracelet on a really fine watch, I'm telling you, it feels different than just a regular metal bracelet. The quality is so much better. The finishing is so much better, you can feel it. The underside and top are then satin brush for a uniform surface, then masking, which is protecting the surrounded area ahead of the next operation with lacquer or tape, and attaching perforated masking tape along the top of the bracelet. Then the center links of chamfer work are polished and buffed. Next, the clasp is assembled, adjusted for tension, fitted to the bracelet, and, and the cover riveted on a triple blade clasp. The final inspection follows. 
You might like to compare the tough understated Nautilus with the equally rugged reference 905960-1A with its cool sheen of gleaming steel and its bracelet of pronounced articulated rows and drop-length design. The professionalism of that finish is what gives it its fluid, cosseting feel against the skin, provides each link separate interaction with the lighted catches. It's another example of the attention to detail that's a hallmark of the Patek Philippe workshops. In this case, the devotion to craft of the perfectly finished bracelet. Imagine that, they make them by hand. Yeah, it's a machine that cranks out the links, but then everything's hand finished. And that is what gets expensive. Final touches in the process of making a dial involve a seri series of specialist techniques and crafts that balance beauty and legibility. I mean, you look on fine watches, their dials like pop. They just, they're so gorgeous. If a case is the body that houses a complex structure, then the dial is the face of the watch in which we gaze. It's also what allows the hundreds of components inside a watch to make sense. Dial is the wafer of metal that interprets for us the tiny world of wheels, levers, pinions, and springs beneath it, separating them from the hands and the glass. Making a dial is less a branch of watchmaking, more a dedicated craft in itself. Since the dial is part of the watch that speaks to us, it must not only be beautiful and harmonious, but clearly legible. Dial makers and finishers use age-old hand craftsman skills along with trade secrets passed down through generations. A dial for Patek Loop takes four to six months of production process work from 50 to 200 operations. And you want to know why I tell you when you get it restored, it never looks exactly like it did originally. Here's your reason. Can you imagine six months to make it? Holy mackerel, 50 to 200 operations. Each model of dial is different and there's a routing Run up so no one can overlook the process involved. There are over 600 possible task lists. So here's the right one has to be followed for each specific dial. Here's an example of a list, the dial for the Grand Complication Retrograde Perpetual Calendar with its hand deloached center. Blanking the dial plate, outer shape, central hole, stamping apertures, solder the feet to position the dial for subsequent procedures. Smoothing down uses abrasive paper to remove traces of machining smooth the surface, and to prepare it for polishing. Polishing a buffer using brushes made from cotton disc to prepare a perfectly smooth surface ready for a subsequent operation, milling and grinding a central recess to prepare for the guillotine work. Guillotage, engraving the sunburst pattern grooves, electroplating and decoration. During electroplating, one metal is electrochemically coated with another to protect against corrosion. For example, plates are protected by a fine layer of rhodium. Now, rhodium plating is very popular on white gold watches and jewelry. And also platinum. And what it does is it plates the metal to make it brighter and shinier. Because like platinum is a dead looking color. It doesn't look really great. And that's why they rhodium plate it. So it looks like white gold. Cellulose varnishing is applying a transparent protective varnish. Annual transfer printing of the words Paddock Believe Geneva onto the cartouche, adding the Swiss made legend, the numerals, the chapter ring, the outer band, the numerals, and the symbols. After every single operation, the dial is cleaned in ultrasonic bath with biodegradable detergent. An ultrasonic, an ultrasonic is something you should have an ultrasonic cleaner. It's a little, it's a little, uh, a little square thing at the top, the inside is liquid. Usually people use uh, 
hand soap or water or ammonia, all kinds of things. And then you put your metal in there and it creates sound waves that make the water or the liquid vibrate and cleans it gently. Okay, enameling, this is one of their best things they do. Often used by paddock to decorate cases and dials is one of the most high risk of the rare handcrafts. The precarious fusing of powdered glass at ultra high temperatures can produce heartbreaking disasters, but when successful, the result is luminous beauties from design and radiant jewel bright colors that will never dull to lustrous, gently traditional looks. In the old days, pocket watches all had enamel dial. It was enamel over metal. And when you find antique pocket watches, a lot of times they crack because of age and hot and cold and so on, a bunch of stuff. Over time, this delicate skill has become an endangered one, but not a paddock where it has been preserved and nurtured and used to create breathtaking lovely pieces. It takes anything from several hours to several weeks or even several months for miniature painting. Have you seen the dials where they actually, they're painted on there? They are absolutely gorgeous. The technique involves grinding colored glass or enamel pigments to a talc-like powder mixing with water or oil. Paddock uses lavender oil and painting the resulting paste meticulously using a brush as fine as a single hair onto a prepared metal surface. Once dried, the paste is fired in a kiln at temperatures around 800 degrees centigrade, which is pretty amazing, actually. Think about how hot that is. I mean, that is amazing. So the powdered glass or pigment melts to form a new impregnable surface that fuses to the metal base. Dozens of firings may be needed as multiple layers are built up. A coat or two of transparent enamel has a final depth of brilliance. Because colors can alter during firing, the enamelist must be just not an artist, but an alchemist and visionary, able to calculate how the pigments will interact and accurately imagine the finished use in advance. The enamel uses one or a combination of age-old techniques, cloisonné, champlevé, palané, and miniature painting. Uh, the Calatrava reference 5116 with calm, plain enamel face. A limited production watch, the pure white parchment of the hand-fired true enamel dial has a matchless clarity and luminosity of vellum. Against it, the black Roman numerals of this particular model are stately and robust. That means you cannot have it restored either, by the way. They can put the writing on the enamel, but they can't redo the enamel. Not that I'm aware of. They might be able to fill it in. It had cracks, but you can't just paint over it. This Age-old hand guillotine technique is used to engrave state, straight or circular grooves on a few tenths of a millimeter thick and three to four hundredths of a millimeter deep. The intersecting grooves of guillotine form a patina of endlessly varied motifs to catch and reflect the light. Here they strike out from the center and raise. There's two main types of the lathe they use, the straight line engine and the rose engine. The first Straight line engine used to cut straight lines that may intersect at any angle, for example, at 90 degrees for the hobnail pattern among the most famous watches found on the bezel of Cal Travel watches. The common is cool. More widely known and used as the Rose Engine Spindle offers a richer variety of motifs as it can produce curved lines. You should see this stuff. I mean, this is done under a microscope. The artisan takes pride in knowing the machine by heart, and the instructions for use were last seen two centuries ago. At Paddock Fleet, the rose engines in use are exact copies of those found in the, at the Paddock Fleet Museum in Geneva. Guillaume 
described in watchmaking in the 19th century, but toward the end of the 20th, it was at risk of becoming extinct along with the artisans who knew it to use the ancient machines. However, as the end of the morning drew closer and demand surged for fine decorations and geometric pattern, the technique found favor once again and the remaining artisans managed to pass on their knowledge. Okay, decorations. We talk about movements and dials and cases being decorated. What does that mean? These operations, many of which are carried up by hand, impart the pigmentation of grain of the dial, mat, half mat, or whatever, and will influence the brilliance and depth of its final color. The craftsman uses an abrasive made from natural rock crushed to a powder's finest flour mixed with water. The regularity of the technique and the consistent blend of the mixture are vital. So the first one's called a sunburst. Sunburst is really beautiful, by the way. It, it's a brush with metal bristles is used with the abrasive paste to create rays spreading from the center to the edges of the dot. Looks like a sunburst. This requires an infinitely steady hand. When the completed dial pivots on its axis, it will reveal a glorious sunburst effect. Then there's vertical satin brushed. Again, a metal, metal bristle brush and abrasive paste are used. It's imperative that every bristle of the brush is the same length and completely straight as the brush is drawn downward with exquisite care. Sandblasting is next. The dial is carefully positioned in a machine and ferociously blasted with the crushed rock and water until the dial is stippled with a finely grained surface. Velvet finishing achieved with two consecutive styles of sandblasting. First, a straightforward original as above for a matte finish and then using cream of tartar as an abrasive, which delivers a cream colored downy nap. At this stage, the dials are returned to the electroplating workshop for the final coloring. Since galvanization can also be used to impart a rainbow of hues, getting the perfect color is a multi-step procedure involving repeated immersions in the chemical baths of different metallic shades to arrive at the final result. For some models, the velvet finish effect is their final stage. For colored dials, the artwork of the plate is complete. When they finally emerge from their second electroplating, resplendent with their subtle new hue. Dials can also be furnished with a color, anything from black, blue, lilac to white. You can see this on the steel Aquanaut loose model with its variety of dot color options. Otherwise, a clear protective cellulose varnish is applied to the dial once it's been colored to guard against oxidation. Varnishing must be Excuse me. Varnishing must be carried out in a very strictly controlled condition on a dedicated cubicle. Tiny particles of dust or even pollution can stick to a dial when varnish is being applied. If it happens, the dial has to be discarded no matter what. For this reason, standards of cleanliness are intense. Clothed in anti-static gear, the operator begins by cleaning the varnish cubicle with moist wipes. Varnish is applied smoothly. The dials are left to dry naturally, and their varnish began to achieve the perfect color. Um, rubies, emeralds, sapphires, diamonds, all gems must comply to the Patek Philippe seal's strict criteria and be the best of their kind. In terms of diamonds, only the top D to G color is acceptable. They must be eternally flawless and cut must correspond to the international grades, excellent and very good. Patek Philippe gems are always set by hand, never bonded with adhesive. Rows of gems must be level, pointing in the same direction. The setter must consider the shape and character of each gem. Whether it's a traditional pattern, randomly stimulating a starry simulating a starry sky or baguettes start standing as numerals. Once dials are painted and varnished, they proceed to decalique, which is called tampography or transfer printing. 
the name given to the delicate lithographic process during which any printing to appear on the dial is transferred from ink on the grade plate using a silicone pad while all the dial descriptions such as numerals and chapter encounters any markings are put in place. A sensitive enough job that must be done in a white room where dust particles or pollution are stringently controlled. And the operator wears overalls and a mask as to not induce particles. A steady hand with consistent even pressure and the gimlet eye are required. The job may need to be repeated several times on different plates and pads to transfer all the inscriptions and colors for a particular dial between each layer of the dial is set to dry an incubator. Okay, well, that's what you get. When you restore a dial, that's what they do. They re-put the numbers, the indicia, the printing, all that's on there. Our indicators may be transfer printed by hand on the dial surface. Hand applied meeting care gold are created using round or baguette diamonds. The gold and the diamonds are set on appliques, which creates a height to the indicator, slightly increasing contrast. All Patek Philippe power markers, whether the dial's base material or their, or whether they are index batons or Roman or Arabic numerals or 18 karat gold, is with the dial plate, power markers go through a lengthy production process before they settle in their final home. There's over 100 different steps to produce power markers, but the first stage is with the dial, will always consist of swagging or blanking, forging the tiny blanks. Next comes faceting. Using a machine, Fitted with sharply incisive diamond tools, the hour markers are faceted, cut with small, plain surfaces of the edges like a gem, flat diamond polished or camphored to make them more readable. Markers are all given an individual final polish. And the last operation on dial setting, the hour marker appliques. This is carried out by hand. It calls for considerable dexterity, absolute concentration in protecting a dial that's already been the subject of several dozen intricate procedures. Using tweezers, the operator positions the feet of the markers one by one in their pointed place through tiny pilot holes, microscopic perforations in the slot, so small they're more easily felt with a finger than seen with the eye. Once everything is fitted, the specialist turns the dial over, begins the riveting, fixing the markers definitively by folding their feet flat against the base of the dial using a handheld high-speed diamond grinding wheel or point. In a in compliance with Patek Philippe seal, applied numbers and markers are made of gold and secured in such a way as to guarantee maximum longevity. Okay, here we go. The detailed manual work carried out in the internal components of the watch where hand finishing reaches a rear pinnacle. The seal requires that movements as well as the rest of the watch are made using advanced techniques, artisan know-how, authenticity, and exemplary finishing. After machining, every moving component, many of which will never be seen, passed through the finish by human hands and often decorated. The same processes are applied for all calibers from grand complications to classic calibers. Specific surfaces can be so minuscule they're barely perceptible to the naked eye, and the craftsmen work with binocular microscopes. This scrupulous fine-tuning is carried out by consummate craftsmen whose whole reason is the integrity and precision of what they do and whose fulfillment comes from the fact that everything inside your watch has been honed by them to move with hushed prowess. The quality of the finish determines not just how well the part will perform, but for how long. So there it is. The quality of the finish determines not just how well the part will perform, but for how long. So when you buy mass market watches, they are not made to these kind of standards. The detailed manual work carried out on the internal components of the watches where hand finishing reaches a rear pinnacle. The paddock seal requires movements as 
well as the rest of the watch are made using advanced technologies, artis artisanal, artisanal know-how, authenticity, and exemplary finishing. Sorry about that. Okay, chamfering or beveling, in French known as anglage, here the sharp edge between the surface and the flank is cut away to a smooth 45 degree curve and polished to a gleam. One of the most complicated finish methods. Chamfering is time consuming and calls for a consummate artisanship. The angle surface must be regular smooth with parallel edges, consistent with too much pressure and the component deforms. Not enough and the angle will be clear and sharp. A chamfer highlights the shape of the part like a cloud silver lining. The shape of the part when chamfered components are assembled, the play of light is breathtaking. The process removes any residual burrs. In other words, every piece, every inch, every millimeter is polished to perfection and finished to perfection. Using a magnifying eyeglass and a scraper with a slim, spear-like head, any minute burrs or remaining scraps of material left by machining on the movement, main plane and bridges are removed. The result is not just streaked, sleek edges, but enhanced performance, since tiny burrs may in time come loose and fall into the workings of the watch. And they have to sink the holes with a jewelry tool soaked in benzene, a concave chamfer or in curving edge called a sink is carved by twisting into a previously machined hole created for screws or gemstones is polished. Then they sink the wheels. In the past, when oils were less stable, the sink of the wheels kept the oil more directed toward the axis. Today, it's aesthetic, which goes hand in hand with attention to detail and contributes to the overall refinement of a superb watch. The different wheels, flat metal circles, all receive a polished sink, which is a concave chamfer or a slightly hollowed groove. It's done using a diamond cutting tool on a mechanical lathe, which is lowered in a carefully placed piece where it cuts circle like bullseyes or Spitfire logo. The sinks, shining perfect circles, are made by one. Then they polish the ends. They polish the only oh, mackerel. The last of the 65 steps required by Paddock to finish one pinion. The tiny cogwheels help drive the gear train. It's known as leaves. It's almost impossible to perform any kind of operation on the very ends of the pinions because they're so small. But it can be done if the pinion is fitted in a supporting wheel plate willing to pivot to protruding. The polish is done with a leather grinding wheel until the operator is satisfied that the smooth, their ends are smooth and convex. Then they polish the teeth. Whew, another operation. Any friction you want to reduce, wear and tear on the gears, so you guarantee long life and health of the gear train. These things are touching each other. And if they're perfectly machined, they will last a hell of a long time. They keep going and going. i got to stop. <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we'll keep going a little further, but we don't have that much to go. Okay, so they sink the wheels in. They polish the ends. Then they polish all the teeth. Then they polish the face of the leaves. Imagine how much time this takes. Then the circular satin finish. They put on it. They put the Geneva stripes on everything. And then they do mirror polishing. It's just amazing. They do straight graining. I could keep going and going. Circular graining. Just amazing. And you need one of these. If there's any way you can get your hands on a pad, I don't care if it's older, newer, newer is even better because newer, they spend even more time on it than they used to. And there's newer machining 
techniques and they made all kinds of advancements in the movements and the watchmaking and the complications and you name it. Patek is the finest watch in the world. Everything else is second or later. Nothing is like a Patek. I don't care what they say. They have all these fancy new watches like Frank Mueller and they're, oh, Frank Mueller, you know what? It's got a lousy movement in it. It's not a Patek. And Patek is very conservative style. They're not wild like some of these other companies. Although I used to wear one of these gondolas, which is one of their tanks, and it was big. This is years ago and had phenomenal dial. It was great. But they're not wild looking like the newer watches that are out there. Paddocks are conservative. Paddocks are beautiful. Go to a store that sells paddocks and look at these watches. Look at the dials. Look at the quality of the hands, the buttons, the pushers, the crown, everything. The back, you name it, it is done to perfection. They can spend months on one watch. And they hold their value. They really do. They've gone way up. Paddocks have gone cuckoo. The prices have gone cuckoo. Nine million for a paddock. Now's the time to get one. If you find one, even if it needs work, if you have a good watchmaker, a good dial person, I mean, it's actually worth more if the dial's original and clean. But I don't care. I want a nice looking dial. I don't want some dingy thing. When I got one of my first Vacherons, I had a terrible looking dial and I had it all redone differently. I don't care. I want it to look good on me. And I enjoy wearing it and I enjoy putting it on. And it matters what I think. And if you're one of those people who wants it all original, God love you. If you're one of those people who wants it to look really good, God love you too. That's the way it goes. Okay, I got to go. Please follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. Lee Jackson Watches at gmail.com. Thank you again. Have a great one. Love you.